How are you doing? How are you doing? All right, great to be in church today. Want to welcome our Fort Collins friends that are here today. We got a, a team from our sister church in Colorado, and uh, we are glad that you're here. Thanks for serving us, and they're going to have a great time seeing the kingdom come. And I just just drove in from Mexico. There's uh, 400 of us down there uh, this morning and worshiping there while we're worshiping here. So we're worshiping in two places this morning. Incredible to do that. And I think most of you guys know we have a church campus in Playas de Tijuana. And God's doing uh, wonderful, wonderful things there. We're meeting together right now at our church location there. And then we'll be hitting the streets for one last outreach and then culminating tonight with our church service. Our church meets down there at 5 p.m. Uh, on Sundays. But here is the, uh, here's, a, here's a great story. I'll just tell you one, and hopefully we'll get to hear some more. Uh, but yesterday um, in our ministry time, a young woman came up and said, I've been deaf uh, my whole life in my left ear. I haven't heard for 25 years. I feel like Jesus is wanting to do something right now. Uh, we prayed for her, and she started screaming as she started to hear in her left ear. So, um, Scripture says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you study the Scripture, you see Jesus laying hands on the sick. You see him telling his disciples they'd do the same thing, and that was happening. And so, you're going to hear wonderful stories uh, from there. I'm also going to tell you some great stories from last week. We've been in a series called Come Holy Spirit, talking about the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'll be continuing that. Uh, this morning and, and want to share some of the great stories as we were uh, exercising the gifts of the Spirit last Sunday. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 is where we are. And uh, thank you for, uh, for changing around. If you go to our 9 o'clock service here or our 10 o'clock service at our university campus, thank you for adjusting your schedule and way to still be able to make it to church early this morning at 11, even with the time change. You guys are amazing, and very few yawns. I mean, what, what a vivacious church. So very proud of you this morning. Romans 12, we're going to start in verse 3. Last week we were in 1 Corinthians 12, um, but we're going to jump to Romans 12. Last week we were talking about what many people call the manifestational gifts. We're going to talk about motivational gifts this morning. Motivational gifts, if you're taking notes, the title... Uh, in my Bible, before you come into this text, uh, says, humble service in the body of Christ. It says this in verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many, many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encourage, if it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this where you are trying not to pay attention to what's on the screen in front of you, but it's so good that you just get distracted and you lose focus of whatever you're doing. 
You ever had that? You're like, I'm not going to watch this. Someone's watching the TV in your living room, and you're like, I'm not going to watch this. I'm going to study, right? Or for me, I was, I was flying back in a plane. I had so much work to do. This was years ago, and I am determined to look down and do my work. And they put on a movie. And, you know, I'm hoping it's going to be one of these, you know, sappy, emotional things that's boring, you know, because I'm not going to put the earphones in and just a bunch of talking. But I, I'm, I'm kind of ADD. And so when action starts happening, I, I, I just get caught up. And they played the Fantastic Four that day. And, and, and here's the deal. Why are we so fascinated with superheroes? It's like so unrealistic, right? The Fantastic Four, a man turns into a giant rock. I mean, like, there is nothing more unrealistic than you turning into a big stone, you know, and walking around. Another guy turns into fire. But the, the story, if you're not familiar with it, is these four astronauts that, this is the 2005 version. Mind you, there's been three times this movie's been made in the past 20 years, and people go see it every time. Like, we can tell you the same thing's going to happen, but we're, we're suckers for this, this storyline. Ordinary people, these astronauts, get in this weird force field, and all of a sudden they're in endowed with these supernatural powers. So Richard Reed is kind of the leader of the exposition. All of a sudden, he can stretch really long. Okay, that would be cool when you're a parent, right? You're driving down the road. This is the superpower I want. You're in your minivan, in your swag van, your kids, you know, your kids screaming, and you're like, cut it out. You know, what if you could just go back seat? I tell you, you just put that finger right in their face. Uh-uh. <laughs> that would be so sweet. You know, you moms, you're just like wiping the face in the back. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Uh, so he, get, he gets the stretch power. Um, Sue, uh, Susan turns invisible, right? There's, there's a lot of times. A lot of times I do things that, that, that make me embarrassed. Wouldn't you love to just be able, invisible at that moment, you know? I had a friend that got embarrassed one time, so he, fake, he faked fainting. <laughs> what do you do when you're fake fainting? Uh, she can turn invisible, uh, and she can do a force field. She can do a shield around her. That's pretty sick. So uh, Sue has the, the invisibility, the shield. Uh, ben Grimm, he turns into a big rock. That's the worst, unless you're on Coronado, you know, on the beach, and you turn into one of those boulders. Um, I don't know why I said that. Uh, and then the last one, um, John, I think his name is John Storm, Sue's brother, he can turn into like a fire and just run so fast. Okay, so here's the deal. Of course, if you're a superhero, you know, you think, why do you need these superheroes? Then you always meet a, a villain that's trying to destroy the earth, right? So, so Victor Von Doom comes to destroy the earth, and I get just sucked into the story as these four superheroes all of a sudden are working together to defeat Dr. Doom, right? And, and, and by the end, you know, I'm crying. Oh, you did it, you know, you big rock man, you know. I knew you I'm crying. I always cry at the end of movies. I cry, I've told you, I cry at the end of Finding Nemo. Uh, I cry, do you remember those Beethoven movies with the big St. Bernard? I cry at the end of Beethoven. Like something is wrong with me. But uh, why, do we, why do we love superheroes so much? Why do we love normal people Endowed with supernatural powers. Because it's a biblical reality. It's touching on something that's deep within your soul. A desire in our weakness, in our normalcy. When we come into 
problems and impossible situations, there's this yearning in us to not just be victims, to not, not just be uh, stuck in complacency and, and be powerless, but for something in us. There's this desire in you to be strong, to be courageous, and to move in the supernatural. Can I tell you that God put that desire in you? And that God actually wants you to be endowed with supernatural power. And then not to be just endowed with supernatural power, but the only thing better than a superhero movie is a movie when there's a bunch of superheroes working together. Right? So there's always these movies about superheroes working together. I spend a lot of time working with teams, and I've always loved teams. Anyone been on a good team? Okay. A few of you have been on a good team. I remember my eighth grade basketball year. I mean, this is years ago. But I can tell you our, our lineup. We had a, 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 a multi-ethnic team, uh, and, and we had Andre. And Andre was like 5'5", five, five, but he was Spud Webb. That dates me right there. But if you remember, Spud Webb won the slam dunk contest at 5'6". That was Andre. And Andre had the ball control. Then we had Eric. And Eric was, was also this really... Uh, tiny Vietnamese guy, but he could nail threes. I mean, it just had this uncanny ability to nail three-pointers over and over and over again. We had David Ashley. He was like the flash. He was the fastest guy out there. He was the king of the fast breaks. We had, we had Stucky. Stucky was, was, was this like rock-looking guy. He was the strongest person out there. He, he pulled down the rebounds. And then me, I was like gargantuan back then. I grew faster than anyone. So I was a head taller than everyone in eighth grade. And then I just stopped in eighth grade. So uh, I haven't really grown since eighth grade. But back then, I was really tall. And so I was the, I was the, the down under the basket guy. They'd get it to me. I'd, I'd shoot the baskets. And, and we went through that season, and we were killing it. And we get into the semifinals, and I mean, we, we know what we're doing. It's awesome when you're in a team, and you're not, you're not fighting for the, the glory. You all know how you work together. You have your specific gifts. Until that semifinal game when we melted down. And what happened is the pressure got intense. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're just neck and neck. And, and, and all of a sudden, David just freaks out. And he gets the ball, and he's the fastest guy out there. The problem was he was fast going to our basket, going the wrong way. And so we start screaming at him, David, David, David. But he, he can't be stopped, right, because he's so fast. So we're trying to stop him. David, stop, stop. He won't listen to any of us. We're trying to intercept him. No, he's moving. He's making jukes like he's never made before out there. And he goes up, lays it up perfectly, and scores for the other team. The other team's going wild. He's coming down the court, yeah! And he realizes he's all by himself. You scored in the wrong basket. That wasn't the only problem. My heart problem that some of you guys have heard me talk about, it was before it was healed, it flares up. So I'm, I'm grounded that whole game. They put in a different person that wasn't used to playing with the team. And we end up going all the way to the end and losing. We lose the championship. We lose it, a breakdown on the team. Uh, Paul is, is very clear that we are called to be a body, 
that we've been given, been given different gifts and that we need to work together. And that's what I want to unpack today because if you've been in this kind of situation in the body of Christ where people are bringing their gifts, it's absolutely extraordinary. It says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you. I, I want to start, when you talk about gifts, you need to think of the word grace. Can you say grace, church? Grace. The gifts are a grace gift. The gifts of the Spirit are a grace gift. God chooses to bless his body with gifts. You can go into my house and you can look in my kids' room, and my kids are young. They did not work for the gifts they've been given. They were given those gifts. And so often people say, okay, I, I, don't, I don't really get this. Do, do I work for these gifts? Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. But you got to understand that there's a difference between eagerly desiring the gifts and working for the gifts. Are you tracking with me? My, my children, I love to give them the gifts that they eagerly desire. So my kids, how, how do I know what gift to give them? Because they keep asking and asking, Daddy, please. Daddy, please, I want this gift. You know, they, they bring up something. I mean, my kids have asked for the strangest things at times, right? That's just, that's just kids. They'll, they'll, they'll throw out some strange, God, uh, you know, God, I want this, I want this. But how does God know what you really want? Because he hears you asking for it over and over again. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. I mean, my kids have asked, Daddy, can I have that shepherd's staff? I don't think you want a shepherd's staff. I mean, we were, we were in Disney World earlier this year. My kids asked for the strangest things when you're walking through D Disney World. My kids, can I please have those mouse ears, Dad? I'm like, you will never wear that again after today. You are not going to be walking on the beach with mouse ears. But there were certain gifts they asked for continually. And that's how I knew this is what these, these guys really want. There's a difference between eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts and working for the gifts. We don't work for the gifts. You need to remember that it's by grace that they've been given. Then it goes on to say this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And let me just tell you, church, this is one of the reasons why people shy away from the spiritual gifts is because oftentimes people get a gift and they get prideful about it. And, and have you ever thought of how silly that is? Right? Uh, just think about it. At, at, a, at a birthday party, you, you see a kid, 30 seconds ago they didn't have that gift. Right? And all of a sudden they get a bike and they're like, what's up now? I'm the kid with the bike. What's up? You're like, just 30 seconds ago you weren't the kid with the bike. But now you're like, what's up? I'm on my bike. It's a gift. Your dad gave it to you. Your dad, maybe he could be proud that he gave you the bike, but you can't be proud. You just got the bike, right? That's how we've got to understand when they're a gift, you're not proud about it, right? Oh, I got the gift of healing. Watch me. Oh, you know, that's, no, it's a gift of the Spirit. So, so just remember, Paul's saying, don't think of yourself too highly. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Remember who you are. Right? I'm the guy who loses my keys. Right? I, I, I'm the guy who really stinks at math. Remember who you are. Don't put your all of a sudden, no, I'm the healer. What's up now? Right? Oh, I'm the tongue talker. Listen to me. Right? I mean, that's. 
No, that's a gift from God. Don't be proud, prideful of your gifts. So many people, we wear our gifts like an, an honor badge. You know, I, I'm serious. I'll meet with people and, and, and they'll sit down with me. Hey, how are you doing? Tell me your story. And it's like people start going through, well, you know, God used me in, in 08. I, I had this gift. And then in 09, this gift. And you're like, no, no, I want to know you. Like, who are you? And that's why we say get rock, get real. Because in this church, we're just real ordinary people. We love you because you're a child of God. Your identity is not your gift. Right? I'm a word of knowledge. I'm Robert. I'm a word of knowledge. You know, I mean, you, you, are, not, you are not your gift. I'm Robert with the gift of, of, of mercy, you know. What is it? Uh, you should just call me Marcy Mercy. You know, I mean... <clears throat> You are not your gift. You are a child of God. It's very important when we start talking about gifts to, to understand you are a child of God. That is who you are. You're loved by your Father. And so God, I believe God wants to empower this church with more and more spiritual gifts. We're seeing more and more. But here's the deal. If we get prideful, the Bible says God resists the proud. I don't want to be prideful and God say, no, you know, I can't entrust him with that gift, right? The greater the power, the greater the opportunity for pride. So listen, the more gifts, the more humility we got to choose. Are you following me? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So many times we confuse giftings with spiritual maturity. But, but, but think through these stories. Think about Samson. The Holy Spirit came on him. No one was stronger. No one had nicer hair either. I'm particularly interested in that story. Uh, I mean, I, don't look for me like this in heaven. Heaven, I'm going to look like Samson, right? You'd be like, where's my pastor? And I'll be, here I am. <laughs> ah. But see, God knew I'd be prideful, so he took it away. Um, Samson. <laughs> oh, I didn't get much sleep last night, can you tell? <laughs> Samson had power like few people in the body of Christ, like no one. But what happens? He falls. He, he didn't have the spiritual maturity for holiness, for humility, and, and he's taken out by the enemy. And he ends up dying in disgrace. How about David, right? David, incredible prophetic gift, in, incredible leadership gift, but he walks into sin. So oftentimes we confuse the gifts of the Spirit with maturity, or we, we start thinking, well, that, that person, they are holy because they have this gift. Can I tell you that someone can walk in a gift because it's given indiscriminately, and yet they are living an impure life? So look at someone's character over someone's anointing. Can I just tell you that? Don't be impressed with the anointing. Be impressed with the godliness. He is looking for Christ's likeness. And so I want to be a church that pursues the gifts of the Spirit, but we're going to do that in humility, in Christ's likeness, and we're going to continue to grow and not just think, because I've met people who go, man, I have this gift, so I must have arrived. I'm like, man, your, your, your pride is turning us off. And it's offending God. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, 
and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all others. Can I just tell you God loves diversity? God loves diversity. God sent us to plant a multi-ethnic church. That wasn't our idea. That was God's idea. You look around this church, it's very age diverse. It's very ethnically diverse. We've got over 40 countries represented. Uh, that's the, there's 20% of this church is born outside the U.S., uh, this is a very diverse church, but God's not just looking for ethnic diversity, although that's very important to him because he's, uh, he's imprinted and imparted different aspects of his character in different ethnicities, but God's looking for a multi-gifted church. Why? Because he's giving different imprints of his giftings into the body of Christ. And I want to say, there's many churches in America specifically that are pretty homogenous in their giftings. They've got about one or two gifts. So it's oftentimes the gift of teaching. You've got one real good teacher, and then a lot of people just serving, right? Just kind of doing practical service. Can I tell you, there's so many more gifts in the spirit that God wants to give so that the body can function rightly. So, so if you just have two gifts in a church, you got one arm and one head, right? That is not, that, that, that you can live, I can live like this, but that's going to be pretty funky, right? <clears throat> and, 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 and we think, you know, there's some weird, have you noticed there's some weird parts of the body, okay? There's some, there's some weird parts of the body. Can I just tell you, I was, I was meditating this week, but I was so thankful for bottoms, I know that's weird, but just think about it. Right now, right, if we made you kneel this whole service, you would be in pain. Because your knees are bony, but your bottom's plump. <laughs> Don't turn to your neighbor and say anything right now. But just think how blessed you are that you have a bottom, that God blessed you with a bottom. Because throughout the day, you get tired. I get tired standing on my feet all day, and I sit down, and it is so much. Think, of, think about if you had to rest on your head. I mean, that is, that is not, that is not good. And, 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 but God gave you a bottom. Praise him. That is... He gave you different parts of your body, and they work together, right? Your, your spleen does something different than your heart. Well, I just, I want to be the heart, right? I just want to pump, and your heart is very important. And yes, you couldn't live with your heart, right? And you can re remove your spleen, or you could remove different parts of your body. But think about how different your esophagus is than your ears. And think about how different your eyes are. You can live without your eyes, right? but think about how much your eyes enhance your body's experience. I, I was driving back from Life Group. We've started a new Life Group in La Jolla about six weeks ago. And so I was driving back from Life Group and I was going, why do I enjoy Life Group? And, and let me just, can I just tell you, can I just, confessions of a pastor right now. We are I, I am so, like, every week I'm like, oh, i got to drive all the way to Life Group. 
oh my gosh, I have four kids. It, so has anyone ever had a hard time getting a life group before? Like you're like, there is like an anti-life group demon <laughs> that comes and it's like, don't go to life group. And you're like, no, no, I will go to life group and don't go to life group, right? I, can I just warn you that there's an anti-life group demon. It shows up about 4.30 or 5 every day. On the day of your life group, people don't like you at your life group. You're like, no, they do like me at my life group. But people don't like, no, don't, don't go to life group, right? Your kids are going to just fuss. The whole, I, there, there's an anti-life group demon. But every time, almost every time, I'm driving home and I'm like, I love that life group. Like on the way home, I'm so encouraged. And so I was thinking about that on my, on my way home. And I realized why. It's because all these different people brought their different gifts. First of all, we had the most amazing pasta dinner. I mean, this was, this was this great pasta, and why? Because, and, and, and some really great protein, too. We divided up, like, protein and carb and salad and dessert. And, and, and you know what? Here's why. Because people use their gift of serving to put, a, uh, to put a meal on the table. I am so thankful for that gift of serving because <laughs> I have the gift of receiving. I, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but that happened, and then... It was Kathleen. I, I saw Kathleen somewhere. It was her birthday, and um, and and Wendy uh, had the gift of encouragement, and she said, "Let's let's encourage Kathleen." And so we went around the circle encouraging Kathleen. And you know what? Everyone was smiling and laughing. You know why? Because encouragement brings the presence of God. But thankful for Wendy's gift, so we had the gift of serving. People brought a meal and prepared. And, and, and you know what, that was work. And then Wendy has this gift of encouragement. She says, let's encourage Kathleen. And then we're doing discussion, and all of a sudden, Rich starts unpacking this thing that God had showed him earlier this week, and everyone just stops and looks at him and went, wow. I mean, people were looking going, wow. Okay, why? Because he had a gift of teaching in that moment. He wasn't even the, the leader of that life group. And, but he, he unpacks this scripture for us. We're, we're impacted. We have a, a worship time. And each week people are getting up and going and prophesying over each other. And Man, I've seen people tear up. I've seen people minister to. There's what? The gifts of the Spirit are being exercised in life group. And it's building up the body. We need to be built up. We need to be strengthened. It says this, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to the others. You, you've got to, to understand when God saved you, it wasn't just for you and him. You were saved into a family. When a, when a baby is born, they're not just to be left alone. That's called an orphan. A baby is supposed to be born into a family. When you are saved, God immediately put gifts in you. And those gifts are not for you. Those gifts are for you to give to others. You follow me? So I meet people, especially in America, hey, you know, I start talking about the Lord. And they're like, yeah, me and God, we have our own relationship. I'm not really into the church thing, but we have our own understanding. Have you ever heard people say that? I'm like, well, then you don't have a, a Jesus understanding. You don't have a biblical understanding because God puts us in the body of Christ. Can I just tell you, you'll never know Jesus like he wants you to know him outside of the church. Can I just tell you that? Because you don't have a relationship with just a head. Right? I don't say, honey, let's go out to uh, on, on a dinner and just take her head with me. That is like a, a freaky horror show. 
No, I take, I take her whole being with me. And that I have a relationship with her, her whole self, right? And that is you with the body of Christ. So God has given you gifts, and you belong to other people. And, and I want to tell you, the enemy's always trying to snatch you away. He's always trying to take you away, right? I, we were just uh, meeting together as the 400 of us that went down. And I asked this question. I said, you know, God is moving. We're, we're building this church down in Playas. We've seen amazing miracles. I mean, that, that girl that her ear opened up, that happened in the front of our meeting, and everyone just freaked out. But we've seen miracles on the street. We've seen tons of people come to the Lord in this past weekend. I said, now let me just ask you, as we're seeing the kingdom advance, who would be vulnerable enough to say, I've been attacked on this trip? I've been attacked by the enemy. Every hand in the room went up. Can I just tell you that you're not the only person the enemy's attacking? He's attacking me. He's attacking every person, no matter how strong a leader is, they're being attacked. Why? Because the enemy wants to remove you from the body of Christ. Don't let them. Run to the herd, right? Get in the middle of that herd, right? I say it all the time. The, the little gazelle that gets picked off is the one that wanders off by himself. I don't like the herd anymore. It's smelly, right? And they go off. They go off. And every time on Animal Planet, and we watch it, every week, the lion goes after the one gazelle. That little one off by themselves, right? Wanted to get off by themselves. Every time. Rips out their throat. Don't let the enemy rip out your throat. Get in the herd, right? Get around. Get around those big gazelles. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Your gift. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. The gift of prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, for encouragement, edification, and comfort. What is prophecy? It's, it's speaking out the heart of God over a person. That's its simplest form. Uh, and in its more mature form, it's even predicting future events. Ab Agabus stands up and predicts a famine throughout the, the Roman Empire. But let me just tell you, what we do in our, in our life groups is, is we don't so much predict things that are about to happen in La Jolla. Instead, we use this 1 Corinthians 14, 1, encouragement, edification, and comfort. So some of us, we've, we've, we've grown up not familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, so we just think every time someone talks about prophecy, they're going to tell, you know, that, that this next world leader is the Antichrist. That, 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 that is not what Paul's talking about that's going to happen. The, the, the predominant thing is encouragement, edification, and comfort, according to 1 Corinthians 14. So I told you guys last week, I'm at a, I, I go perform my grandmother's funeral. My heart is hurting. I show up at my parents' church, and the pastor says, hey, we want a few people to get around Robert. And they start prophesying over me, and they start speaking this word about my life being like a train, and how although there's storms that have come, it's not going to derail me, and on this train is many people, and how God is putting more power on this train. They just start sharing with me exactly what's happening in my life and in our church, and they say that, that the people on that train are your church, and man, it is deeply encouraging me. And then they share more and more things that, that people wouldn't know, but this group around me, and I'm feeling so built up after the loss of my grandmother. Why? Because God gives the gift of prophecy for encouragement, edification, and comfort. And that is what we want to press into as this church and exercise as we meet together. It goes on to say this, verse 7, if it's serving, 
then serve. If it's serving, then serve. Aren't you thankful that when you come here, you can walk out and get a free cup of coffee with a smile? Those are servants. We, we get a bulletin when we walk in the door. We got people parking, and, and, and hopefully you're thankful for the parking attenders, even when they don't let you park in guest parking after you've been here for five years. I, <laughs> but we need the gifts of service. I'm so thankful. Glenn Fromang drove me up. He'll often drive with me while I'm going in, in and out of Mexico so I can, I can be frantically studying my notes, I want to tell you, we need the gift of serving in this church. If you got the gift of serving, don't think, well, I don't have the gift, I don't have the strong gift of prophecy, I don't have the strong gift of that, you know, my, my only gift is serving. Can I tell you that Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. When we serve, we look most like Jesus. And so we expect everyone to serve. We, we walk around I'll, I'll walk around with the pastors of the church. We'll be doing our, our meetings, and we'll be walking around just picking up trash right off the ground. Why? Because that's when you serve, you're being like Jesus. The next thing it says is this. If it's to encourage, then give the gift of encouragement. I was um, thinking about how, how important this gift is. And uh, I had this, um, I was... A couple weeks ago, I was flying back to Texas, and there's this man, this, this businessman in his 50s named, named Ken Lorenz, and we have a pastor right now that's on sabbatical here in San Diego, and Ken came out to see him. He's in his 50s, he's a businessman, no, he's in his 60s, and he will travel around to different churches just to encourage pastors. Uh, he's been in book sales for years. But he knows that his gift is encouragement. And I've always thought that's kind of interesting, and I've always noticed how many young guys are, gravitate towards this man. And I've always thought, well, that's really interesting. Maybe they just need, you know, kind of a fatherly figure. And, and, and I'm traveling, and he comes and puts his arm around me, and he just starts going, Robert. He, he said the most interesting thing. He goes, uh, you're, a, you're a priest. You're royalty. Okay, and, and that's kind of like weird language for me. So if you came up and said that, I probably wouldn't be that encouraged. <laughs> but when he put his arm around me and said that to me, it was like an anointing that pierced my heart. And I just, I got teared up. Being called a priest and royalty. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to tell you, there's people in here with a gift of encouragement. It doesn't really even matter what you say. Right? You walk up to someone, you put your arm around them, you speak right to them, and they will be ministered to the depths of their heart. He walked away, I went, man, that is why so many people are drawn to that guy. He has the gift of encouragement. Exercise the gift of encouragement. You have that gift of encouragement, then let us have it. Machine gun encouragement on us. We need it. Okay? You bring that, you bring that gift. It says, if it's to lead, do it diligently. Uh, here, here's one of the sad things for me, is um, God is moving in, in Southern California. And, and um, I, I've got to minister to so many, in so many different cities in the United States. Do you know every time we do some event, we see, we see numerous people come to Christ. I mean, you, you guys that have just lived here your whole life, it's just normal for you in church services that we give an altar call and numerous people respond to Jesus. I can't tell you how many church services throughout my life they give an altar call and the poor pastor would just stand down in the front going like, just as I am. You know, singing this, 
all alone. <laughs> and finally, some compassionate third grader decides to recommit her life for the 30th time to go stand by the poor pastor. But, but here, every time we share the gospel, people give, give their life to Christ. But, but here's what happens. When people don't step up and use the gift of leadership, we don't bring them into family because people will come to Christ. And, and they'll walk in the doors of a church for many reasons, but they'll stick because of one. And that one is community. And people can get lost in a, in a room of this. There's 500 people in here. You'll get lost in a room this big. But that's why we have these community groups meeting house to house. But here's what's sad for me is when people don't step up into leadership because you have to lay your life down to be a leader. And people fuss at you and people complain. But I want to tell you, you have the gift of leadership. You have the unique ability to bring people together and help them move towards God. And so if you have the gift of leadership in this room, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, please lead. Because people need to be brought into families, and when they come to Christ, they need a family. That family, families are led by fathers and mothers. And so you're called to be a father and mother, and when we have more and more fathers and mothers, and you don't have to be a perfect father and mother. I am not a perfect father or mother, but when we have fathers and mothers step up, then families can gather together, and people can have a safe place to grow in their relationship with God. And so one of the saddest things for me is when tons of people are coming to Christ in Southern California, but people won't step up into leadership, and then they just end up orphans. And they're like, cool, I prayed a prayer, and then I just got waylaid by the enemy. But leaders step up, create environments for growth, and protect the sheep. So if you have the gift of leadership, please talk to me. Talk to our staff. Talk to the different life group leaders. Say, hey, I want to lead. And they're not going to say, you are so prideful. <laughs> they're going to say, thank you. Right? And they're going to walk with you and, and help you raise up into a place of leadership. We're almost done here. Oh, I missed if it's giving, then give generously. I love this one because I told you I have the gift of receiving. Uh, we, we, we need, there is a gift of giving. So oftentimes, churches, pastors feel bad about asking people to give. I want to tell you, there's people that love to give. Right? It's better to give than to receive, is what scripture says. And so they love to give. I, I, I was talking to some guys, we, we do a lot of international mission trips, and I was talking to, to these two young men, and, and, and they're middle class guys, but they have just decided, I wanna use this gift of giving, and so they've given thousands of dollars to these international mission trips, and I remember talking to them. Their name were Josh, Josh and Tanner. And I remember talking to Josh and, Josh and Tanner and going, guys, thank you so much. I am blown away by your gifts. And they said, you know what, <clears throat> you, you are called to go into all these nations. They said, we are called to give. And it's our pleasure to give. I remember being with a, a, a gentleman the, the other day, and there was a whole group. And he just, he pulls out his wallet and pays for the whole group. And I went, man, I can't believe you just did that. He goes, what else am I going to do with the money that God gave me? So that's a great, a great attitude because it belongs to God. So what else am I going to do with the money that God gave me? I'm going to bless others. If your gift is giving, then give generously and watch God give you more. Because some people say, well, someday if I have a lot of money, then I'll give. Well, he might not ever give you a lot of money because he can't trust you with the little you have. So the Bible says, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. He who is faithful and little be ruler over much. 
So some of you are saying, well, I'll give if I get much. No, you give now and watch him trust you with more and more and more. Almost done. <laughs> if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let me just end with, with one last story, another, another airplane story. Um, I get on this airplane, and I am feeling horrible. And, and, and so I, I'm like, my head is spinning, uh, and I'm thinking, this is, this is not good. And, and this woman comes down, and she looks at me, she's, she's like, I'm sorry, honey, but I'm, you're stuck with me. And she sits down, right? And, and I'm like, okay. And so she sits down, and then this, this guy gets on the plane, and, and, and he's, he, he's going, yeah, he's talking to his friend. He goes, yeah, I just got a, a, a DWI, and a, uh, yeah, I've just been arrested. Yeah, is there any way you can front me some money? And I'm, walk, I'm hearing him talk all loud and talking about be, just got, got out of jail and how he, he had a, D, a, a DUI and, and how he needs money. And he's walking, and there's still a seat. And I'm like, no, no, okay, this, this woman that's already told me she's stuck with me, you know. And I'm like, please, please, no, 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 don't sit in here. And he's like, points to the seat, and I'm like, oh, no. I was, I was feeling horrible already, and so we, we take off, and I get lightheaded, and I lean over to these people, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going down right now. <laughs> like, I am, like, I'm passing out right now. <laughs> and so I go, I look over at these two, and I go, I'm sorry, but I'm passing out right now. And the woman goes, quick, put your head between your legs. And she, she puts my head down. And she hands me the barf bag. I am so sorry I'm telling this story, but it's really good. I start throwing up violently. Like, and if you've ever heard me throw up, you haven't, but the whole plane was hearing me. Now, but, but what's happening next? This woman's like, that's okay, honey. She, okay, if someone was throwing up next to me, I'd be like, get, my, get that person out of me. You know, like, I paid big money for this flight. This woman was like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, honey. It's okay, sugar. She was from the deep south. She's like, it's okay. She's, she's rubbing my back. She's stroking my hair. I am not kidding. I finally stop, and I feel completely better, right? That's how it all, I like sit up, I'm like, I go, I am so sorry. She's like, that's okay. She goes, but I'm sorry for shining all over you. I'm like, shining? I guess that's some deep south thing. She's like, I know, you were just sick, so I just started shining on you like you were my boy. <clears throat> Can I tell you, at your worst moments is when the gift of mercy is at its best, I was so glad to not be sitting with someone with the gift of leadership at that moment. <laughs> They'd be like, attendant, can you move him off the plane? <laughs> I know how to solve this. Throw him in the bathroom. I was so thankful to sit next to someone with the gift of mercy. You know, I'm, I'm so sorry. They're like, that's okay. She's like, I'm, I'm glad you were sitting by us so we could take care of you. And I was repenting. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm so sorry I judged these people. They are my angels. They're probably angels. A DUI angel. <laughs> at your worst is when the gift of mercy is it, it, at its best. We need a gift of mercy to be the church we're called to be. In the heart of the city, 
the poor and the broken, we've asked God, give us the ones that no one else wants. We need the gift of mercy. That's a precious gift. You have the gift of serving. That's a precious gift. You have the gift of giving. It's a precious gift. The gift of prophecy. The gift of leadership. Your gift is important to us. We need you operating in your gift. We want to honor each person. Don't let the enemy pick you away. Don't let him take you up. Don't start running away and not listening when people are saying you're going for the wrong basket. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say don't show up tonight because you have a gift. Who knows who's going to be sitting next to you in their time of need? You have a gift. Why don't we stand up?